Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Reggae music opened up the world for Willie Stewart. It's the language of his life and his career. As the drummer for the band Third World, Willie co-produced 13 of their albums, five of which were nominated for Grammy Awards for songs like this one. Third World is one of the longest-running reggae bands of all time. They're known as the Reggae Ambassadors of Jamaica, and Willie was at the heart of that band for more than 20 years. He played with Bob Marley, Stevie Wonder, Carlos Santana, and he used his connection to teach reggae music, especially at a time when music classes are being reduced in public schools. He uses music as inspiration. Willie's produced huge concerts for everyone from Nelson Mandela to Amnesty International. He helped put together February's outdoor music festival, Reggae Genealogy. Willie will be speaking at a panel about reggae music's evolution at Island Space Caribbean Museum in Plantation this Saturday. It's a sort of warm-up for next month's inaugural music festival. But first, he's here with us. Willie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, we're we're kind of at an exciting time for reggae music because you know next month is they we're, we celebrate uh, uh, reggae month, right? Reggae so month, like there's yes. a nice there's a nice focus on this on this kind of art form that's so big and so influential, even and especially in South Florida, right? Especially in South Florida, reggae music, um, believe me, has mushroomed. I mean, I can go back way back when we just started and people was know what's reggae, you know, and you know touring the universities all over. Um, it has it, it it has its own magic, and it's it's crazy to think. But you were you saw the beginnings of reggae. You saw yes. musical art forms change and evolve and spring and, and bring reggae into existence. Yes, I remember <laughs> with being in Third World, and we went to San Francisco like for seven months. Island sent us there to, so we were living in in Berkeley, mm -hmm. and we had we had to play like with Country Joe and the Fish with Open Firm and it was amazing how, how the crowd, the university playing all of that, LA University and, and Sunset, you know, what if you're paying the Jews, you know, but then we saw some of the greatest acts that we loved and we got to play for colleges and, you know, it was really a time, a pioneer time, you know. Uh, what, what kind of acts were, as you, when you were kids starting out here in the 70s, early 70s, what acts stood out to you which ones were, were well, your we, eyes big you we, know? we love Santana we loved um, Isley Brothers Stevie Wonder I mean you name it there was so much artists that, I mean we, we looked up in fact I, I go back as far as being in, in a circle hmm. bad boys bad boys what you gonna do yeah right I was original drummer Annie Boo Cooper uh, he was the leader of Third World at the time he he was a keyboard player we've been friends for so much years and um I got to play with them, and, and their father, Mr. Lewis, brought Stevie Wonder to Jamaica for nine shows, and we opened the show. And so when we were in Carib Theatre in Kingston, and we could come down 
and watched the show. We were like kids in a candy store. <laughs> Our favorite bass guitarist. Wow. We sat down and caught the nine shows. It was amazing. You couldn't wait for your set to be over so you yeah, could no, watch. Yeah, no, yeah. What? <laughs> it's just like, man, it was like, a, this was a thrill and we could catch seeing it live. I mean, it was unbelievable. These were our superstars. I'm watching all of them play. Oh, man, it was really something else. Man, talk to me about your specific point of view, being at, at the beginning of something, of, of an entire sort of musical form. Talk to me about what was what the world was like, what the musical world around you and reggae was like before it really well, coalesced into that. Well, there was a whole different listenership. You had music was at its peak. The, the musicians and the level of music was unbelievable. And you were playing with big acts. I can remember, as I said, when we played in Boston, Santana, uh, we opened for Santana, and you would have Bobby Blue Black, and it was, it was, it was it's diverse, you know, and um, we learned a lot. And the great thing about it is that people appreciated our music when we played it. So people say, I'm on, you know, and they caught into the language, the culture. That time you had Peter Tosh on the road there too. You had Bob going through many, many acts, you know, Diamonds, Mighty Diamonds. And a lot of acts started to catch on. People thought it was cool. They loved it. And it was it was like there was a lot of love. Right. A lot of people open-minded listen and say, hey, I like that. I like that. It came out. They came out to enjoy live music. And because we had messages in our music, it made a change to people. And before that, Ska had hit. I mean, Barry Lee brought Ska to Toronto. I right. Mean, Ska music I, was, like start, the, was like start, the... Yeah, but Mentor was the start of it. That's what genealogy what is so good. It's important that what they're doing, um, space... Museum, right? Reg reggae genealogy, reggae which genealogy. Is, yeah, that's, that's the oh, they can see the everything. That, yeah, that's the event. It's so important that we know where all this is coming from because you get it from everybody else who puts their opinion, but they only know a small amount. But reggae genealogy, you know, big up to them. They 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 tr they're trying to get our youth and show. Listen, this is where it all come from. It started with mental, then it moved to to you know it, it moved in different different genres, then it moved to to ska. Rocksteady, you know, from Rocksteady to, um, it, 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 then it went to reggae. To reggae, so, yeah, right. But we had, a, yeah, and then it, and then it went to dancehall, you know. Right, and, and it's interesting how, how you talk about kids getting into, introduced into music. It's funny how songs that take off today, a lot of kids are surprised to learn that they're samples of something previous. Like, right. like I grew up with that 90s version of, uh, uh, from the Heavy D and the Boys yes. version of Now, now That, that we, we Found, found love. love. Right. And then I remember, like, my eyes being open, like, oh my God, that's a that's a tie back to this yes. to a, yeah. a whole other musical art form. Yeah, well, actually, with, with Heavy D, the, the big thing with Heavy D is that Heavy D really wanted to record mm. that song with us, mm. and we did the Motown review in Montego Bay, and Stevie was on that show, and we did it, and but the record companies could not come together to make it happen. So really, doing it. so if you listen to it, he sampled Third World. You can hear our, us being, but the sample just came out. The whole law it was new. And so <laughs> it, it got through the cracks. <laughs> it's cool that you've been um, you you've been in music for so long, and and to see how contemporary pop music has changed, and and like that rules laws change, so where you can sample music and you can bring that in, mm -hmm. and like whole art forms begin to evolve and spin off. Like it's, the, it's really it's an interesting place to the thing about being in music. Everything changes minutely. <laughs> hmm. So if you talk about thirty years ago. The formats, if you are a musician, trying to preserve your thing, it's, it's, 
even with your archives here. Yeah. It changed so much. It, it, it's amazing. Technology, no one would believe 20 years ago that the cell phone would be so small. It's like a computer. No, I mean, you know, you had this big phone with your technology. And there, there's room for technology. But at the same time, we must not rule out the life force of, of talking and communicating. That was in my time. The older people would talk. People be like, you're on the road. If you did something bad in Jamaica, you, you, can get, you can get a beating from the top down to the bottom. <laughs> if, you did so, to if, you. You, if you did something good, you're going to get food from the top, everybody, presents and <laughs> gifts and everything for you. It was a different, we cared. There was a caring, there was a concern. Mm. Nowadays, that is kind of, it's not what it used to be. So, so doing like when you're doing a live event, I, I know you're you're speaking at um, yes at the good, yeah, at, yes it's called. the Island Space Caribbean Museum in Plantation. That's right. this Saturday. Right. So when you get to have uh, an opportunity like that, where you're speaking with other panelists and directly to people, it's it's exactly what you're talking about, right? It's having those direct conversations about music and culture and everything else. Music, culture, and importance of music and where our music is coming from because mm. it's all connected to Africa because part of our, our, our history is that we had the, the Spanish first then the English and, and as a, col a colony of England and, and then it changed and that's why you get in Mento you had a Belafonte as, as genealogy is saying was the first to sell a million records as such and it was songs about Jamaica and the Caribbean right and this built, and, and the whole mentor is a form of the Anglo-Saxon singing and then our beat of, of the mentor beat. Right. And you have Brookings, you have all different Kumina, all that is coming from Africa, which is a part of our heritage, the DNA. So all this started, and uh, Jamaica is so unique in that some of the musicians where Skia came from, they used to listen to Cuba. Guantanamo Bay and they hear the radio and they hear the American jazz swing and then Tommy McCook and some of the great cannonball all some of the great um, um, players turn it around and say hey let's do this we're doing it we're here but let's do this and Ska came right from oh, there that's interesting. too because yeah. that came at a time where where Blue now beat. you're listening yeah. like the, you were listening to music yes. right from like uh, really influential places you could literally get stronger signals from Louisiana and yes. South Florida even right, you know right. uh, and certainly other countries right right but because of the, the, the Guantanamo Bay as a base interesting you got all of the music from America oh that's so funny <laughs> because remember we're, we're, next, we're not far from Cuba so right. all, you can hear everything so that is what they used to listen to and play and then so they were they got that as a thing and then they changed it to put in that scare and keep the same format of that. And it, it was amazing. I mean, Bobby used to listen to all the R&B singers. He, he loved them. I mean, Jamaica, I mean, Jamaica's listened to a wide variety of music. I mean, you, you could, it, it's unbelievable. Right. It's a lot like the food. It's this yeah, yeah, collection they love, of they, so many they have it, man. You know, Neil Diamond could have full up the place. I mean, <laughs> and if people know it, musicians has been shocked who come from foreign to play. And the whole people can sing it word for word. They're saying, wow, you know, it's something else. Do you, do you remember something like that? Like where somebody who, you know, like you said, Neil Diamond or somebody came to play yeah. and people are Neil totally Neil Diamond was like, one and, oh. this, and, and, and quite a lot of artists, other, they couldn't believe um, who's come down, you know? Right. And it's all these influences that that influence that influence other uh, culture. I mean, we we had a we had a guest, a Walshy Fire uh, from yes. Major Laser who was here and he was talking about all the influences because he grew up in, in Carroll City or, or Miami Gardens, they call it now. Right. And, 
uh, and um, and talking about the influences of going to his family's homes in Jamaica and yes and connecting those two influences yeah so like the, your music was doing that I mean for for decades before that well we were doing that um, started off uh, I said our influence my age was we had to listen to all of the great groups um, Sissy Shot ba ba da 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 from that to Twelve Power to Stevie Wonder to um, Solomon Burke you know I mean you name it um and so we would play and play all of these different music. I mean, when I was within a circle, we had to practice the tw top 20 every week. And we played in this club called Tunnel. And we played in this club now. We would play the music and the disco would play and the disco would change and we would play right there. I think we were the first group to ever do that. Oh, that's and the people didn't realize the change. That's how good we had to be. So we had to learn the stuff. So it was it, it was part of our musical learning and, and move through. It was it was fantastic because we got to learn such a wide spectrum of so much different things. Right. Our guest today is Willie Stewart. He's a music educator and formerly the principal drummer and percussionist for the band Third World. They're known as the reggae ambassadors of Jamaica. Now you were you were with them for over twenty years, yeah, right? About twenty-two years. No, I joined in 1976, 75 New Year's night, seventy-five. But it was New Year's night, so it was seventy-six. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I, 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 two weeks before Christmas uh -huh. before seventy-six, so uh -huh. I started to practice, and we played our first gig. Believe it or not, was at the Playboy Club in 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 Ocherias in Jamaica. Is that, that right? Was our first engagement, and within two weeks. I was off promoting the Green Album, the Third World first album. I didn't play on that. I came in after that one. Oh. I was playing with Colonel Marshall, Pretty Hamilton and them. Give big, big up to that. So I had to promote that album in America. And so you came along at a time, I mean, really so early into the band that like when the yeah. first when the first percussionist left, you were still like yeah, well, they still had, picking up their music. There was a guy called Carl Brover that played drums before. Mm -hmm. He was singing. And he left and, and Colonel Marshall came in and he worked with him for at least from 73, 74, 75, right, right, two years, and they went to England, and they were, uh, they actually did, they played, that's where Ireland signed them, and they got such a chance to play the whole of England, and Ireland signed them there, and they opened for Bob Marley. When you hear No Woman a Cry, they were the opening for that show. They did five opening for Bob Marley wow. in England, and wow. came back with great success. Take me back to that time. Like, what was that like for you? How old were you? What was your, how did that change your life, that whole well, moment? I, I, well, let me go further. I mean, playing at that time, you had Michael Manley as as president, so there was a whole di different structure of self awareness and and you know buying our own products and uh, playing music and more respecting our culture. Mm. And it was great because you had Bob out there and a consciousness was at the height, Rastafarianism. You know, it was it was a, a very incredible time what what was it like for you like where take me to a place what your life was like were you playing with different like how did that how did that call come to to join this and what was your life well like before I, I, because i played with in a circle before mm -hmm. i kind of we, you're in the loop so it's you knew everybody circle, in right. jamaica everybody know right yeah, because i start even back further i had my own band in school if we talked about third world i had my band called visions okay ibu who was a leader of Third World, he had his band called Rhythms, and Cat, who is now still playing and is the leader for Third World now. Cat is the leader for Third the, World now. The lead guitar. He had a group called Alicats, and we all lived on the same road, Aligini. 
everybody in Mona and everybody the, knew the same each other avenue. and yeah. everybody had their own bands right so and funny. then we get together and then my band Ibu came into my band Cooper mm-hmm. and then he, we started to play and when that broke up we ended up playing in a circle and in playing Jamaica you know everybody so we'd see Bob from time to time but later on how it came about is that when he when they had um the the time when he had the, when they shot him at that time mm. at the big festival we had to play on stage at oh, that time wow. so when we were playing on the stage he was up way up Newcastle and Cat who was very good friends with uh, Bob said Bob listen the people love you there were sixty thousand people there wow sixty thousand people and the Smile Jamaica concert it was. And he ended up coming. I'll never forget that. He ended up coming, but there was a lot of security around him. And he started to sing, and we got to play six songs. It was the best I ever heard him. Then the drummer came in, the Wailers, you know, Carly and Aston, and all of them started to play right. Ray Barrett. And it was fantastic. And, and boy, I think Bob did an incredible show then. Incredible. Everything he talked about, it was like it was true to life was magical. You you really are are inspired by putting together the events, right? Because that has been so much of your career is is not just playing in bands but putting together big well, events. Well this happened where people later, can... right? This happened later on like when Mandela came to Jamaica. We happened to third world that happened to, oh, three weeks before to be in Atlanta. CBS was filming it and we happened to play in the park when he was coming to the park. And I've never knew so much security in my life. Never seen anything like that. Wow. And so when it came to Jamaica, I could advise the government at the time, we had to put the music thing at the stadium. So they didn't know how much people would come. But eventually what we said is, it's better put it at the stadium. The stadium holds 40,000 people. I said, it's going to be full and probably more outside. And exactly what I said it was. 40,000 in and 40,000 people outside. Amazing. 80,000 people eight, kind yes. of huddled around yeah, to, listening that, to this. And it was phenomenal. When he came, the respect, because Jamaica was very, was aware of apartheid and was very in solidarity because, you know, there was a band, and, um, you, you know, going to the, in other words, people wanted you to come to Sun City. But then under the regime of apartheid, which was very wicked, mm-hmm. you know, the musicians put a boycott United Nations, everybody. So, you, you, so we were offered many times and refused. Said, no, we're not going until the people were free and up, 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 you know, rid of apartheid. Right. And so, tell me what that event was like for you. I mean, how how close did you get to Nelson Mandela? What was well, that like? Believe it or not, not close at all because <laughs> <laughs> I was there on stage yeah. and all of us were playing, but we never got to meet him because I was a minister and everybody thing. I mean, and he, they wished him off and there, but he 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 was such a statesman, you know, unbelievable. Talk to me about uh, some of the sp- the spread of reggae. Like that that musical art form endures today. What is it about it? Do you th- do you think that that has that is able to to you know connect with different parts of society so much still? Well, I think the, first of all, when people as research the rhythm called the one drop, when it plays, sometimes you feel it in your heart. Mm. So you find people use it for ads. So you'll be there doing a right, and you know, some music can sit down and write forever, and you know, sit, you're in the mood. But when the one drop comes, it, it does something to you. You have to get up on you. It's like you pay attention. So it holds you. So it's like a heartbeat. That beat there, it's like you feel, ah, oh, it's like it's energizing right there, so in the pocket. So it's like people found their own rhythm. Mm. Now, if I was to talk about reggae rhythm and the one drop beat, from a musical standpoint, the backbeat, when you're going, 
If it's like you're walking back to an American drummer or another drummer, it's like he's walking backwards up an elevator. Oh, that's he's trying to go because because this is the beat. It's on the two. So, but that's the downbeat. That, that's that's so it's on that beat. But when you him not used to playing that, that to him that's where the one is. You know, it's, so it is, you have to get used to it. Because Jamaica's very laid back. Wagwan, man. <laughs> but when the rolls is very laid back and everybody's singing, you know, it is. And Jamaica is a vibrant country. When a man talk, it's like you can hear everything. The food we eat. We, hey, listen, we, look at running. We have all of it. Why would so much country have so much great musicians? I feel in the world, beside America and other places, we will probably rate f- at least five with so much artists coming out, so much acts. Is a, and so reggae music brought this joy. When you hear it, you felt, wow. It's like you listened and you, and then with the consciousness of what was saying there, it put people, oh, wow, I could be like this. The messages was, was, was profound. That's part of it. I mean, all, you know, it's, it's always a back and forth about um, how political music can be and, and how, it can, how music itself can, can shape people's minds and images. Mm-hmm. How much of it was, was it for you the message inside the music? Well, for me, and I think with our third world group, we were always conscious. And, and I think that everybody, we were practitioners of music that we loved. Mm. But like our keyboard player, Kat, they were classically trained. And so we put a lot into the, the construction of the music. So when we played it, it should have, all right, I could put it this way. When we went to Africa and we came back, mm-hmm. we could mirror that journey in the rhythm and then put the words to it. So if you hear a track like Lagos Jump, you know it went number one in Africa, in Nigeria. They call the road Lagos Jump. And the whole story, it was like, we could take a picture of where we went and be able to play. We went to Japan. And when we came back, we went straight in the studio and we could visualize that trip. And we played and called Girl from Hiroshima. Listen to it. It was like this dream. But when you hear it and, and how the cards were played, you know it's Japan, Japan right there. So you could feel the spirituality of where you went and we could actually, like taking a photograph, that's where Third was very unique. From the music to the, to the singing, Bonnie Ruggs was an excellent singer. And the harmonies and together as brothers that we were, I think it, 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 it depicts itself past anything else. It's like when we played, it was spiritual. So there's an element that you know so much, so much music you feel like comes from the place where you're where you're from, but you're also talking about being inspired by the places you visit and how they open up yes, things for th- you. That too, because you go there, you, you travel. When you travel, your mind open up, and you pick up something from there. Mm-hmm. So when you so you tour there, so when you come back, there's a little bit of that still left in you. So you pay, and this is what you can. It's like a, you're taking a photograph. You can just put it there, and then you interpret it the way you feel. And then the spiritual aspect is where God comes in. Mm. That feeling that if you play and sometimes an idea comes from you, where does it come from? Mm. You know, this is, and so we would sit down. I remember when we did Now That We Found Love. Now That We Found Love is already OJ's song. We just did it over. It's not our original song. But the OJ's, if you listen to Hip Hop, um, Chip Hoy album, is it? We did it, Money Money and all that. Uh-huh. It, was a, it was a slow song. I got we you. did that over. And, and then when we did Journey to Atlas, which was the second album, so after I did that first tour, we came back 
and we had to we went and did 96 degrees in the shade which we call the revolution album of third world well i was going to say we actually have a cut of 96 degrees in the shade yes so uh let's hear a little bit of it and then i want to i want you to talk to me about the inspiration for it This was the song that um, you were you were first on this album, right? You were a new right. band member, this is, right? This, this is our first recording. Yeah, tell and me Bonnie Rogg, so the singer, he came at the same time. Yes, T- tell me about that, about this song, the inspiration for this song, and well, the, that idea of you know of politics and and social consciousness being well at the forefront. Paul Bogle was one of our national heroes who stood for up against slavery to try and bring an attention to the people to show that, it, you know, when we was under slavery at that time. And he he, he was hanged, you know, mm. which was a very, 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 very sad story. And what happened is that Cat, Richie, and Bonnie went to Moran Bay, the square where he was hanged, where the whole thing happened, mm. the, called the Moran Bay Rebellion. And they felt from there how it must have been for Paul Bogle to feel how that 96 degrees hot but you're under a tree in that shade how real hot in that shade and the whole of that 10,000 soldiers on parade taking I and I taking us to, be, to, to meet and he, he had to meet the governor Governor Eyre he had to meet him to talk and Governor didn't particularly want to listen to him or anything oh, and had him hand. Wow. And so it was the whole story that people think 96 is one thing in the shade and heart, but it's very, very, very historic. And that's, and that's such an interesting thing for a song like that to become so popular and to become kind of like a signature track where, like you said, it's something that's so political, well, but it's also, it also gets into your bones as music. But, but here you, this is it. I, I mean, it's so huge. In the Caribbean, hmm. we if I think if we were to have, if it was graded, it would have been five times platinum hmm. in the Caribbean. But everywhere you go, a country record company they said that oh, it didn't sell; it was underground. But everywhere we played it, people knew it. <laughs> we were going for the first time in Europe, and, every, and people were singing it. It, it was it was an underground massive hit. Did that blow you away as a musician? Like when you start playing and all of a sudden you're in front of a new crowd in a new country and they're singing You know when it blows it you away when you, when you don't speak their language mm-hmm. and they're going and they come up and then they come and say, oh, we know. That's how music is. It's unbelievable because you're there sitting in your Jamaica there. You don't know, but you don't realize how you go some remote places 
and people come and say, oh, I know this, I know the song, I know that, I know Bob, I know this, I know this, I, I know Burning Spear, I know, it, it's, it's amazing. The music just grows and the people them love it. And also, even with South Africa, when they were going to war and everything, ANC, uh, was ANC, you know, um, and thing. And what happened is that they would play inspiration from the music, Bob music, Peter music, our music, to get inspired, to get that free feel, that freedom, that they, one day they wow. will be free. Talk to me about, like, then taking that, obviously, you spend a career in this, and you more than play and, and produce albums, but then you start using music as, as an ability, as a, as a ability to educate, right? Like you, uh, we talked about this too, the music programs, you know, especially in, in Florida and places when things need to get cut, it's usually the arts and the music programs. First thing. But you, you've kind of taken it on yourself to all this musical knowledge that you've had in this career and all these stories that you're telling to be able to pass that music on. Tell me about how you do that. Well, to me, what it is is that when, we, when Ibu and myself was in Third World, we'll always be talking to the youth and inspire them because we as youth got so much inspiration from from the great musicians, Scatterlites, as is Scott, you know, all the greats, you know, all, and thing, and they would talk to us. So when you played, they would scold you, you know. So uh. you would you would really appreciate because you understand because it was on a higher level. And what we so would, those old those old time yeah, like what? The, those Scott yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we I got a chance to play with them. So Amazing. it was really fantastic that you could play with them and get to final where you're at and how you was at. It was amazing, you know? Yeah. So this is what we, 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 we loved. And so what we wanted is pass on information to everybody. Pass on them, get them to, to really... To me, if you play music over and over again, I think it's... If you play music over and over, after a while you can be a rock star, but you can't be a rock star forever. Oh, it must so change. You yeah. must be able to give back. That's a very, that's a very elevated, very you thoughtful know, view. You, you can't know, be a rock star yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some people are. Rolling Stones. Forget that. Well, uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only handful. Come, uh, yeah. That's only yeah, so for a handful, right? <laughs> a handful. But you have to give back. And if you give back to the youth, there's nothing greater than that. So when we left Turtle in 1997, I decided that definitely that I wanted to do. And I went to, back to England. I was born in England, right? Since mm -hmm. Jamaican parents. I went back and studied to be a music facilitator. And there where I get to do programs. And I started in 2000 in Miami. I mean, in Broward, actually. And I started there and teaching. And I've developed different things from it. Workshops. I work with team building, work with kids. I have my own non-profit now, you know. Um, Embrace Music Foundation, which we work with at-risk kids. I give them a chance to experience once in a life. They don't have to be musicians, but just know what it is to play music, to feel energy, to feel to play, to, to understand, and also to come together as a group, and also the discipline mm. to stay together. And I've seen where kids who don't do academics so well, but when they did the program, it was the best thing happened in their life, because they realized that, boy, when they played the stage with such great musicians, and in there they got the clap from the crowd, it changed their lives. They said, but I am someone. I can do something. So, you know, spreading it. Also, I do team building workshops with everybody. I've I played with in my life you now more with non-players than players. And I find it's great because I do team building for corporate America, for communities, and you get to share. You can play this. It's, oh, I can't play. I said, but you have a heartbeat. You're living, right? <laughs> you have a rhythm inside you. Find it. You can get it. And so that's what, what's great, you know. So I get to the little experience that I have over the years to share it. and say, listen, see a piece of there? Even if you don't want to do formal music, Play, hit something. It relieve. It relieve your tension. It just it, you'll be surprised how you just focus and it relaxes you.
talk to me about that the that um, a little bit more about the nuts and bolts how you how you bring the music to the kids like the the, the embrace music foundation that's your yes, foundation yes that one's specifically aimed at at-risk kids right so well, tell me about how that works how do you try to embed that in the community well we go into the schools and we would work with the kids mm. and and we, I would do a demonstration, the whole thing, I do my whole journey of music. Because our program is Rhythms Africa, which is just like genealogy here, what, what they do in a sense, but we take it from Africa. And they do too, but they concentrate on the Jamaican part, gotcha. which is excellent. You know, the whole thing, they're going to break it down, you can, even a baby can understand, <laughs> you know? So, so that is how I start. And, 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 and I went into the schools, work with them, and then have them start performing. So now what I do is teach them for like, I teach them for 30, 30 hours, maybe 15 sessions. And wow. these could be non-players. Some are players, some are none. And then maybe we start at 60 kids. I work with Big Brother Sisters. I did Asian Arts Center 2012. Mm -hmm. 1,600 people there. It was unbelievable. With five schools, Edison, uh, Miami Senior, and a couple others. Right. And what happens is that they come and you know we feed them. They get the music. They get a little bit of the culture. They understand. They never forget it. Now they they write me back on because on 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 Facebook and say, "Was that group better than us? Were they? How can we have a reunion?" <laughs> These are no parents. Right. <laughs> they won't have a reunion, but they never forget. These are so, kids that that were experiencing music. Yes. Uh, in a lot, of, I'm sure, in some cases, for the first time. For the really first time in the creation, right? Of it, because right? we try and teach them for different causes. Because rhythms of Africa show the music from northeast South Africa to Cuba to Brazil to New Orleans, Jamaica, Trinidad, mm -hmm. you name it, Haiti, everywhere. We cover the three-hour concert. We cover every aspect of it. Amazing. Yeah. Our guest today is Willie Stewart. He's a music educator and formerly the principal drummer and percussionist for the band Third World. Willie, I know that you brought some instruments here today, and we're going to get to some of them. I think it's nice to finish the hour, but I think it's um, like all everything we've been talking about so far and the, the, the kind of the putting together the pieces of of how this music evolved into reggae and then how reggae continues to evolve uh, is something that's going to be at this festival next month, right? Yes. Well, well, well this is, yes, it's called, um, well, I'm doing the Roots and Fruits of Reggae Family Tree. This Saturday, January the 20th, 20th starting at 5 o'clock, is going to be at the Space Museum, which is a, a, a new, is about four, three, four years now. Excellent. Space Museum is dealing with the whole Caribbean. Is the first like that. Right. That's an, that's a, that museum is pretty new, too. It's uh, Yeah, four it, years, about three years. It opened years, uh, yeah. just before COVID started. Right. Right. And they're, and they're doing great stuff. So we, we're going to be there with a panel. It's called Roots and Fruits of the Reggae Family Tree. It's part of the genealogy because it is a prelude to what they're going to have they're going to have the reggae outdoor concert. It's, it's, it's the origin, evolution, and influence of Jamaican music. It's going to be at the Broad Mall, Saturday, February the 10th. That's going to be that's the that's the big that's, thing. That's from, that's the big uh, reggae genealogy. Right. That's that that's going to be really going to be live and everything in the Broad Mall, Northeast parking lot from three to nine. Right. That's going to be an all-day party. Yeah, man. At the Broad there, you know, Mall. Jamaica love to have things outside. It's going to be great. But this one that I am doing is a panel discussion called the Roots and Fruits of Reggae Family Tree, which is going to be this Saturday at 5 to 7. Well, talk to me about that. Talk to me about the fruits of the of the reggae family tree. Like, what what artists have evolved from that standpoint that are interesting to you now? Like, who do you listen to and say, like, I'm really into well, this, or I can see how this was influenced by well, music lot, we made, you know? Well, well, there's a lot of, if the fruits of it from there, I said there's a lot of artists. I mean, uh, you can take a, a new artist called Coffee. 
I mean, she did. She took over with a unique beat. You know, you have Protege. You know, you have um, Vegas is 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 one of them too. But he's on the panel, so he be discussing. So you could see where he bring it. There's so much new artists that it, it's fun, it's it's phenomenal in their own way. Is is that interesting to you to see like how certain musical forms? There's some musical forms that just kind of end. Like nobody's is playing that music, but others are inspired and take it in their own way. Right. That's got to be really interesting to you to see it's, that. It's interesting because what happened? What has changed the whole? What happened is that live music had changed because you can go on the computer mm. and make it. You know, a, a, AI is, is is a big thing. You know, it, it's 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 so we're missing that live element. It changed it completely, but people still go to live concerts, so they still want to see music played live. So there's room for everybody. But what I think is that when you see a singer, there's nothing like that. Or seeing music being played is like there's a different reaction. Than when you're just seeing it and hearing it on tracks, right? So you still listen to the vocalist of the singer, or you listen to them because they are that live thing, or the drums playing live, or the music. There's nothing like that, right? And so we're missing a part because of creation. When you had, as Quincy Jones says, when you bring musicians together and they're each person represent two million people. So when they come up with an idea, they steal a pot. They put something. So it's not nowadays is one producer using one thing and playing, and the sounds are alike. So it's not easy to identify who's who. You only can identify from the voice. So music business has changed differently, you know. But right. it's all good. It's interesting that you're going to get a chance to talk about um, the connections of music. Um, talk, talk to me about how important it is for you to to keep drawing those lines, like to draw people back to you know kind of remind like hey ska reggae has its roots in ska and in you know uh well if you mental if you, music if you don't know your roots you can't know where you're going mm. you have to know because what happens not only it's not only from knowing the past it's also important is to learn from the mistakes of the past right because in, in even in the past it was harder to go there and play music it because if you didn't have an ar discovering you it, it was a whole different thing today the chemistry is all based on internet. How much hits you get? Right. Well, <laughs> I'm curious about your own background because you know we talked about how you how you joined um, how you joined Third World. But talk to me about your musical education coming up. Like when did when did music really come into your life? Well, music came into my life at age of six when I was born in England because um, with my Jamaican parents, my brother who was in the music business too, he was a musical. He was a, a collector of all. He had every song, so he played in the house every day from Akabilk to um, South African music to jazz, um, you name it. So all that was influenced. And my other brother played guitar. Oh, so, so you had two older brothers. Yeah, that were, yeah, yeah. That three, three, three older brothers, actually. Three older brothers. Yeah, and, one, and one younger. So all of this was influenced. So my other brother was a musician, Byron Lee. He was a musician in Jamaica, had his band and everything. And he came to visit us. And it was great. And then we all jammed and things like that. And then he told his mother, well, our mother, to go back, to come back to Jamaica. And I said, I'm glad because I got to see his big band. And when I saw his big 14-piece orchestra, he was, he brought Skia to, 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 to Toronto, to, to Canada, when he did the big festival. Wow. There with Eddie Seaga. He with was this the big 14-piece yeah, band. Yeah, and the whole thing, the Skia dance and everything. And when I saw that, that was my influence that I wanted to play. So I looked at my mother and said, I want to play drums. She said, are you going to school? No, you ain't playing no drums. You're going to school. And I said, because when I saw, I would be in England and look at the drum sets 
mm. and they sparkle. And I look and I, mommy's, my mum was walking a hole and says, I'm, I'm pointing. And it was like it just, and you would never be able to own one for now, but it just was intriguing. And I would drum on pots and pans and anything. Well, your, your brothers were all, really got into music too. So they must, you must have had a lot of support in your family or who was, who was the, big person that was introducing you guys and supporting your music well interest. Uh, well the interest was my other boy who played the guitar he encouraged my father to make because my father was a great cook he was only into a great cook he had big steakhouse is that's that what right he loved. your dad had a steakhouse yeah he loved that that's it you know i became a vegetarian i became a vegetarian when i joined <laughs> so he wasn't too happy about he that didn't love that <laughs> no oh that's so funny but but you know but yeah so th this was the influence and then i would always drum and then when i saw this was the 60s, seeing Byron play out of Aja radio station, out on, on the outside. And I said, that is what I want to do. And from there, it was like it was a no-brainer. So I found my own band in school. Oh, that's so funny. So yeah. you, did you ever have to work at the restaurant? And you were oh, like, oh, yes. This is not for me? Uh, no, no, hold on. No, no, I had to because that's how I earned my money to buy instruments, <laughs> <laughs> tips. So yeah. I was going to school, going to In fact, when I was in a circle, we would go play in the country at night. I'm coming back and some of my friends is w getting ready to take the bus, go after run, change, and be in school. It was a whole, yeah, it was a wow. trip. Yeah. So, I mean, music, we played, I mean, it was, it was, that was how we grew up. We lived the music. Was there a point, I mean, I imagine your, your dad had a very sensible, he started a business at a very, you know, and the, to say, oh, his kids are now musicians. Did he, did he live to see the success? Yeah, of he you did guys? eventually. He did, yes. He come and he understood that he was very proud of it. And my mother, they would come to the concerts and everything. They couldn't believe it and things like that. But then Byron already did that to us mm. because he was a big name within Jamaica. He had, he had his own recording studio, all dynamic sounds, all some of the great crossover songs that was played there. My other brother, Neville, was a collector. He had sonic sounds, so he had um, Peter Tosh on his name, all the reg big reggae acts. He had it. So it, 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 was, it was a beautiful time. So you guys got to see really different parts of it. Um, and, and, I, and I'm always interested in how musical interests uh, and influences evolve. Like you brought some instruments today that kind right. of take us out of, take us out of like the, what, you would, what you said, what you would call like traditional reggae music. But right. what did you bring in today? Uh, well, I have a, this is a djembe drum. Now a djembe drum is from Africa. It is a ceremonial drum. This is a small one. This is the local one, the real one. It was brought by Alatunje. He was a great master drummer, Dr. Alatunje. And it's the most commercial drum. Now you get a guitar center, Samash. But that was a, a ceremonial drum that was used for bringing a unity drum, they call it. I'm playing it now, but what I want to talk about is like with Nyabingi, which is from Ethiopia. We won't say Nyabingi, Rastaman chant. Is a, is a repeater drum that is used in, in Jamaica, okay. coming from Africa. And we adapt it with the Rasta bass drum. And it's called Nyambingi, which is given praise to Jah, the Most High. So come, I want you to go boom, 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 boom. Okay. Say, say that. Rasta. Say that. Rasta. Fantastic. Simple, simple something. And if you listen to it, it's heartbeat. Heartbeat. So you so it just jerks your heart. It just makes you feel. And you start you start before you know you're moving your head and it relates. 
Because listen, when you are born, you know, you're in your mother's stomach, the heart is beating, you know. So there's a rhythm that everybody has, you know. Everybody has a rhythm. If you don't have a heart, everybody, if, I guess if we listen to everybody's heartbeat, it have a different rhythm, just like your... Your, your fingerprints, right, right? <laughs> So everybody, and you just have to find that. When you find that, man, it's the biggest. When I bring in and do corporations and I do team building workshops, mm-hmm. everybody run to the drums. It's like a candy store. They want to <laughs> hit it. They want to hit it. Plus, when people hit the drums, you know, so you're frustrated. When you hit the drums, bam, your blood starts flowing. And your frustration, you're upset, and you hit it. It's like, bam, it, it evaporates. <laughs> And you get rid of your stress. And this is how you're able to connect with, like, especially with kids. Like you said, they, yeah. they approach it like candy. Yeah. It's, that's, a, that's an easy in to kids who yes. sometimes are, have been, have been uh, hard to reach at that point. Right. Some of them don't. And you see, what, what, I, what I'm saying, that not every child learns the same way. The, the normal way of learning, some people, because some of the children that we say that are at risk, they can remember the rap songs 30 word for word. Hmm. They have the capacity to retain. But sometimes you have to mix it with sweetie. So if you do it and play games, what they love, their mind changes. And the moment you say, all right, like the teachers, I'll tell teachers, you don't have to be a musician. Get a rhythm, let them lead it. They like it. And so listen, you're learning geography and science today. But they associate it with the experience of the rhythm they played in the class. So it, it motivates them. You see, it's just everybody has a different way of learning. Talk to me about you know you're you're obviously so much into this and, and you're you're speaking at uh, at at an event this Saturday. At, yes, you, there's the genealogy event next month, and then you have your own event March 16th and 17th at the Miramar Cultural Center, right? Right, which is um, Rhythms of Africa, which is a journey from Africa, Northeast, South, you know, Brazil, South America. We bring all the music through our concerts, and we bring we have you know. Um, Nicole Yarl is part of it. Jesse Jones, you know, that was a ex, and um, we try and bring musicians from all over, at least one. So when we come together, it's it's unbelievable. So we we started in 2010, my nonprofit, and it was 16 and 17 at Miramar Cultural Center. And and so this event also raises money for your for your foundation. For a nonprofit, yeah, we do that so we can do the next one because what we do is we teach. Um, I go in and teach in the afternoons once a week uh, for 15 sessions, two hours. It's free to the kids, and also they get community hours. They get up to 60 community hours for their college. So high school students, they get it. So it, it, it's something that, they, like last April, I had Julia Malikum with part of our huge entourage, and some people of the students that was at Everglades can tell when they go to college, can tell their children that I played with Bob Marley's son. I was on the stage. If you saw their faces, and he's such a great character. When he talked to them, he encouraged them that they mustn't be boasty. They, mustn't, hmm. they, they will never forget that. They Amazing. go through that and they wear it. It was something else. So this is what changed their life. So the music, when they're playing and the thing, they'll never forget. And I, not only at risk kids, to me, after a period of time, I realized that all children are at risk in a different way. From the top, whoever, because sometimes there's all different things that change them. So what happened recently, we've been playing for kids um, a more diverse set of, of children. And so our job changes to show them and say, listen, this is an experience. Look at it. So they don't look stereotype on the same thing that what their parents might think. They get some say, oh, let me look at it from a different lens. So you find, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, Willie, I think it's it's 
It's been amazing. We could do another hour, but thank you so much for spending the hour with us and telling us about your work and, and your upcoming right. events. Right. Our guest today was Willie Stewart. He's a music educator and formerly the principal drummer and percussionist for the band Third World. Willie is speaking at a panel about reggae music's evolution at Island Space Caribbean Museum in Broward this Saturday, January 20th. Uh, the discussion is a prelude to Reggae Genealogy Outdoor Music Festival happening in February. And that's Sundown for Tuesday, January 16th. Leslie Ovai Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio and our engineer today. There's no Sundown tomorrow. We're preempted by the Miami-Dade County School Board, but we'll see you again on Thursday. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.